0: So, uh, how was that K.O. update in the end?
1: Look, all I wanted from the K.O. update was a way for my dwarves to get out of their boats that make some kind of narrative sense and doesn't detract from the whole point of having them in boats in the first place, which is to get around the board quickly. But did I get that? No. Instead, they gave me a battle tactic that requires me to disembark dwarves boats, <laughs> which is the whole fucking thing that is too difficult to do in the first place.
2: <laughs> so... A good
0: update then.
1: <laughs> the admirable yeah. score is quite less.
0: Hello and welcome to Three and Two, the Play Warhammer Age of Sigmar podcast, where we lie on the floor and gaze up at the heady heights of uh, mediocrity. I am your host, Matthew Ward. And with me tonight is the host who passionately cares about Carriage and Overlords, Laura Bates. Hello. <laughs> and the host who does not passionately care about Carriage and Overlords, Bridge Hello. I'm sure I'm you care fast, about Caradon, really. Fast. I thought I did, and then I tried to paint some, and then uh, there was there was some balancing of scales to be done there. So <laughs> we both thought about doing KO and then abandoned it really quickly upon the cold reality of the models. Yeah. Those are lovely think, though. They're lovely models. <laughs> I just um I I didn't get on with the painting them and also to be fair Laura your lovely KO army just why bother even trying? <laughs> You've got a good KO army in the collection. <laughs> A collective collection.
1: I keep coming up with new concepts for them, though, so I might do another one one day, so I can
0: theme them better. Oh my goodness, this is criminal. It's just multi dwarf, isn't it? <laughs> multi dwarfing. <laughs> Anything to avoid doing an elf army.
1: Painted at least ten elves. I just said one. wow.
0: Is that
2: because of Underworlds? though. they does not count.
1: I'm not counting Underworlds. I've got a unit of shadow. Shadow warriors? They call shadow warriors? They're called some Shadow Warriors? Some kind of elves in my yep. Tempest Tie Army.
0: There you go. A rare concession.
1: There's more dwarves. I can't let the elves outnumber the dwarves. That would be wrong.
0: You're weird. I suppose you've got some Silver Neth. They're they are sort they of don't elves. They're
1: not as elves.
2: <laughs> mm. the trees.
0: <laughs> They're more tree than elf at this point, I think. Yeah. Colonel Fantas, yeah. kind of at least. So Kurnal I'll be a upon them.
1: I've only got Kurnoff Hunters and a Dirthu, so they're not really elves.
0: Yeah, okay. Doesn't Dirthu hate elves, in fact? I hope so. Famously. <laughs> that might be that's... super old lore.
1: But the Age of Sigmar character act. isn't actually Dirthu, is it? They're, they're no. sons of Dirthu or spirits of Durthu, so, But yeah. I'm, mine certainly hates elves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just watching... <laughs> These shadow warriors teleport down from the heavens Like these motherfuckers, I hate them so much <laughs> Oh dear Okay, perfect Well that does sort of let us Gracefully glide Swan-like towards what hobby we've been up to What hobby have we been up to? Rich No one ever wants to talk about What hobby they've been up to um, I can tell if them. you one. No, no, it's fine, it's fine I've <laughs> done the least Um, Well, I've not done a huge amount of Age of Sigmar hobby, to be honest. Um, I am still painting that unit of six Mighty Skull Crushers. Uh, That is not because it's an endless task, Um, more so because I've been prioritizing other systems in preparation for a community meetup that we've just had. So I'm still going on those. And as of yesterday, you'll both be particularly pleased to hear that I have started building some Lumineth Fenari Sentinels and some <laughs> Dawn Riders, uh, and I've got S- S- Severeth slash Spirit of the Wind in a box next to me. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Lupineth updates are happening before Brotherhood. That sounds fun. You've only got a month to paint all that. It should be fun. Come on, that's like a month and two weeks. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have enough tufts? Yeah. Um, almost certainly not. Uh, I have a lot of tufts, but whether I have enough of the correct tufts is another question. The worst thing is, they're not going to fit on my display board. That <laughs> yeah, I made, of course. Though. There's no spaces for cavalry on that. There's no space for that many sentinels on that. So I think I'm just going to give up on that.
2: We so i will win
0: best painted without that. Yeah. I'll not be winning the hobby prize at Adepticon, yeah. But, oh, <laughs> well, oh, well um that's about it though yeah um trying to decide if i can save some time on those i've decided to do some hateful sub assemblies on the sentinels Oof. so i'm just tacking bows in place and then i'll once they're primed i'll break them off and i'll break the quivers off and uh hopefully that will make the robes much much quicker to do uh, and I mean that i don't then splodge black or white onto the robes once i try and paint the bows because Your, I remember painting through those yeah. bows last time was horrible. So Your Luminef paint scheme is at such high risk of contaminating colours from one bit onto the other in a really fatal way. Oh yeah, just do a lovely soft blend between <laughs> blue and pink and then try and fix the blob of black that you've put in the middle of that blend. It's um I mean they do really you really get away with the like Oh no, it's fine. Once once you just blob like one of the colors over it again and put it back at tabletop distance, you can get away with quite a lot. But um, yeah, it is like high risk, I guess, because I do that first, and then I very carefully paint metallic gold trim around all of it, and then I fill in all the other colors. Uh, yeah, okay, maybe maybe it's a little bit insane. <laughs> oh, the I'm not a process engineer. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, how about anyone else? What have you been doing, Matt? I, last podcast, I'd done a fair amount of coffee. In this podcast, I've done almost nothing. I've been very, very, very slowly doing the Dragosh under-shading, whatever it's called, on a pile of bench pieces, Slap-chop. Slapping some chops. They're behind me. You <laughs> can't see because I'm a sick gamer chair. But... Um, <laughs> All of them fit behind that chair. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Oh there they are. They really do. <laughs> just, yeah, they really great uh, great audio medium content. It's fantastic, isn't it? So I've got um basically the infantry left to go and a couple of pigs, and then it's just contrast town baby. Um That sounds like quite a lot
1: of progress, given how many you've got to do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sort of been just doing five an evening and Stopping before I hate myself—that seems to be mm-hmm. the best way to go. Uh, but progress on that will probably halt as I very sadly pulled ten built and sprayed Namati Reavers out of the shame cupboard, um, ready to get painted up. <laughs> the um, sadly, they've been quite good, uh, and I probably yeah. need more. So that yeah, that's happening, and uh, another little Babiadeneth hero needs painting every time you say you're done every with Ideneth, something comes back right every time <laughs> um, the one thing that is true is I will not paint any more sharks and beyond that like the army is it's so done yeah not even yeah. to you know get some more harpoons uh, nah <laughs> you know no, no,
1: that will be good again one day
0: maybe And like the Sharkspan army in um, this book is so boring, but whatever. Who cares? They're fine. I've got three. It's like, it's enough for my Brotherhood army to take all harpoons, uh, which is what I'm aiming for. So that's good enough for me. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Laura, what have you been up to?
1: I painted a kitbashed chaos war shrine for my slaves to darkness so i can't remember if i talked about this on the previous podcast or not okay so it's a kitbash of a daughters of cain cordon of blood and then the actual chaos war shrine um so most of it was quite fun to paint except the really horrible like mutant ogre things that carried a war shrine which were just Mm. a disgusting mass of flesh and made me feel quite nauseous um (laughs) but the rest of it was quite good fun um Yeah, and I'm quite pleased with how it's come out. It
0: looks quite cool. It does. It looks really cool. So, I think, a classic, one of your high-concept pieces that's just turned out really well.
1: Most of the rest of the army isn't converted at all, so I'm kind of hoping this one will make everyone think it's a really fancy converted army and they won't look too hard at any of the rest, which is just chaos volume.
0: I mean, you've shaved symbols off of all of the Mm. shields, right? I have, that's true. I mean, I I don't know if that counts as a conversion, but it's definitely effort, and then (laughs) once you've done that effort, what you've actually done is create a canvas to do some time-consuming freehand on so you know, even if it's not, I don't know. I don't know whether you call it a conversion or not, but it's definitely like a high-effort thing.
1: Yeah, I'm really pleased, I really like how the army is coming out, it is kind of
0: how it how I envisaged them
1: being. So I just need to figure out what I'm going to finish it off with now. How many points have you got done now? I think it must be coming on for 1500, but that isn't a mm-hmm. coherent army. Mm-hmm. It's a start collecting box and bellacore and some other random stuff. So I need to <laughs> kind of, I've now painted all the stuff, the models I really liked and wanted to include. And now I have to sit mm-hmm. down and figure out what to add to make it actually work, which is probably rewarders, I suspect. Uh, so I need to figure out how
0: I'm going to do that. Mm. Presumably, these days, it could be um, Warcry lads. Labettes.
1: Potentially. I think Marauders... The problem with the Warcry ones is I think it would be quite difficult to use anything other than the set models for them. Whereas Marauders, I can probably do something with Black Ark Corsairs to match the sort of ex oh, guard theme okay. for the army. Okay, yeah, that makes thinking.
0: sense. As long as they've got the horrible Marauder arms on, you can find a way to work that in with the cloaks. The action uh, man-arms? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, perfect. It's I'd need to get
1: them some shields from somewhere so I can paint Krakens
0: on them. So. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a long time to uh, file all the points off those ears, though. <laughs> I guess you could head swap them, give them a helmet. Just give them Kraken tats. You could do the thing that pops up every now and then uh, where someone puts 40k Skitari Vanguard heads onto like human-sized models in AOS. The Vanguard are the ones that have like the almost like steampunky helmets. So, mm. on in the concept of it's on a robot man, it looks <laughs> very like ad mech, but you've seen them occasionally put onto like Free Guild and stuff. And then it just sort of painted as a single color and weathered or okay, whatever. And it just kind of looks like a cool metal helmet.
1: All right, um, I will check that out. Thank you. <laughs> um. And then after painting that, I had painted all my models, so then I had to buy some more. So oh, I bought Tragnos, and now I'm painting him.
0: <laughs> I'm amazed, he's not
1: Well, I was I was away over the weekend playing Warhammer, so I couldn't <laughs> do any painting. So I might finish him this week. And see.
0: Yeah, he's um like quite an imposing, aspirational like hobby model. I think I've seen a few people do them now, and uh, like for something that. When it came out, it was kind of like cool, but not really exciting to me. Mm. Seeing a few people do different takes on him and like actually put him on the table, maybe growing on me a bit. As a yeah. person with an underutilized ogre's army, so <laughs> covered <laughs> behind him.
1: I was kind of the same. I wasn't that excited when he came out, um, but I got a quick game in with him, uh, borrowing a friend's, and it was fun. And I want something to mix up my garden list a bit. Mm. Um, but the way I, I painted my gargants quite quickly with like, it probably is slap top, I guess it was like undershading and then contrast and then a round of highlights on top. so I'm doing Kragnos in the same way, which is quite nice. fast, so, so you know, it's not going to be the greatest painted model in the world, but I think it'll look fine alongside the gargants.
0: I think those underpainted and then um, you know glazed over models, they usually like the floor on them is quite high for how good they look. Like, they usually end up looking pretty good. Your gargons look really good. I think especially with the tattoos you gave them, that helps them really stand out.
1: Yeah, I definitely wasn't meaning to, like, diss the paint style. I think it's completely fine, and I am very Mm. happy with my gargan army, but I am going for get him table ready reasonably quickly rather than sort of spend ages painting him to the highest possible standard that I could.
0: I do a lot of stuff like that now. Mm. I do really enjoy how, like, the Warhammer hobby community has gone from um, calling it, like, underpainting to then some people coming out and saying like, oh no, 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 it's actually it's a traditional artistic technique, it's called <laughs> <laughs> Um and now um, Honest Wargamer Rob has just <laughs> turned around and gone, actually it's called Slap Chop your, your painting technique? My painting technique <laughs> <laughs> To be fair like um, Slap Chop is my favourite name for it by far um, So <laughs> No criticism from me. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, at a point where I've tried painting One Army nicely, and now it's just whatever it takes to get it on the table, you know, for yeah. anything else. Whatever I it feel takes. It's not
1: like you've more than tried, because you're either never amazing. Ugh,
0: yeah, well, yeah. Never again. I do wince every time you say they took you three years, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, there, were, there was at least a year of sort of not really being yeah. able to do any gaming in there. Yeah. So there was also a year of not really doing any painting. Um, so yeah, mm. yeah. But it's just how time works, isn't it? Oh, that is how time works. <laughs> so I guess we should address the zeppelin in the room. Do we? Do we want a? Uh, given we talked about our hopes and dreams last episode, should we maybe have a more serious? To look at the Ko White Dwarf update.
1: If we have to, <laughs> no, I think that, I think that's harsh. I actually there was a bit. There was one thing I like about it, and a lot of things I really don't like about it. <laughs> anyway, what did you like a it? About be adopting, it? Yeah. to be honest. I think, like compared to something like the Beast of Chaos one, that was a really significant attempt to address some of the things that weren't working about the faction. This one definitely didn't do that. So, you know, I said in the last episode, I really wanted it to address some of the things that just don't work about the KO rules, particularly disembarking, and it hasn't even tried to do that. And the sort of the things that every update gets, like the battle tactics and I'm mean, not every update, but most of them get stuff like battle tactics and battalions and all that side of things is really weak in this one. I think mm. the battle tactics do not seem very good. And then the battalions have the things you want from a battalion like one drop or extra artifacts. So that's all very meh. But I do um, think the Admiral War Score is quite interesting.
0: One of the battle tactics is literally one we made up as a joke last episode, wasn't it? Yes. So,
1: yes it
2: is. It,
0: which, which one's set that set a great tone. Is that the disembarking? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was the <a> disembarking <laughs> Oh, I was disappointed that they stopped just short of my joke about inventing a new keyword that was not explained. But, they really so. almost did. Yeah, they got close.
2: Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. it's it's kind of disappointing because at this point, the way the disembarking rules work is intentional. You know, they've had multiple opportunities to fix it in FAQs and in this, and they haven't. So mm-hmm. that is obviously how they want it to work. And it kind of feels like the rules are then working against how the army is meant to play because it disincentivizes mm-hmm. you from putting boards in a boat, flying them across the board and getting them out of the boat again. And very much incentivizes you to just use a boat as a mobile gun platform and never get anyone out of it, which yeah. I think is a shame. Do
0: you suspect maybe they've given up on the situation of the book?
1: I mean, maybe, but then that, given that presumably the white dwarf update means there isn't a new book coming for yeah in the next just year, that's also you say
0: disappointing. They've known about this problem for a while, but obviously the lead time on white dwarf, they might well, they might have known about it, but they might not have had so many people emailing in
2: yeah
0: Uh,
1: it's an easy fix in an faq though i really don't think it's a difficult thing to correct
0: that that ties into a question i was going to ask which is obviously Laurie, you're not the only haradon overlords player out there and indeed i know of at least two others Um, but (laughs) uh like have you written to the faq email address about this personally I honestly don't remember.
1: I did a bunch of stuff in the early days of ARS3. I sent some things in, nice. and I do not recall whether this was one.
0: This is this is not me um, like delivering a sermon from any kind of position of authority, because I have never written to an FAQ address. But um, yeah, I do find sometimes with these things, like people can complain about them, and then it kind of just turns out, like talk to someone from GW, Like in Bugmans or whatever and they're just like oh yeah literally no one ever wrote in about it so we didn't know it was an issue I feel like that cannot be the case with the disembarking thing
2: Yeah,
1: no that's Uh. fair and I mean I've I've probably been more negative about this than I should be because Caradon are still perfectly playable with a disembarking rule as is and I do really like the new war scroll that the Caradon Admiral got in White Dwarf, I think that was by far the best bit of the update and it made me want to get a game in with my KO to see what that did. So, yeah, that aspect of it is positive. I just think there's some missed opportunities in there.
0: Definitely feels that way. Hmm. I have written into the FAQ team, and Look, if you're listening, I'm still waiting for a response. <laughs> Where are my Age of Sigmar 3 Swift Talk agent War Scrolls? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not only have we been legended, We've been removed from existence. Never ported over, not in the app. A very sad man. Mm. About the army, I will never feel it again. There's only so much proxying of Cities of Sigma you can do, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's some models in there that just don't work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is the the chariot thing is like the same base size as a steam tank? But it's the same base size as a Hurricaneum.
2: There you go. This
0: is what I, I have played it as that, and it feels wrong. Just, uh, you know, like the Hurricanum covers, like lots of little sort of celestial bits. You could just yeah. give one of the, the elves in the chariot, like a, a very small, like model Hurricanum in its hand. I was going to say, just model it as one of them's a gun. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, delivering it as though one of them's got a gun, but that's the Luminar, isn't it? Yeah, so yes. it mean, doesn't life. work. Yeah. Well, one of the options for that kit is to build it was to build it with a big ballista, but I didn't I didn't go that way. So there we go, past me. I built the big flag instead. The t- the two options, ballista or flag. Anyway, this is the this is the deepest weed we could possibly have wandered into. It's uh yeah. Age of Sigma's deceased postman. So <laughs> Um shall we? get into the the meat of the episodes uh i think we're gonna talk about the two new books fire slayers and deepkin so we've all either played with or against them right so we actually i think so yeah speak with a level of not authority or yeah. even wisdom um
2: but, not but complete ignorance not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's,
0: yeah, yeah. I certainly feel more prepared for this discussion than I generally do for a an Age of Sigmar rules or book discussion. So Good. I played against them, and then I looked at some articles about them, and Bam. said, Oh, I remember that, when it happened in my game. So, you have done more prep than I have. Well, there you go. Should we, do you want to lead off with the, the Dwarden? How are you feeling about this? We've got our local Dwardian expert who has... You've had a game with them, at least, right?
1: Yeah, I've only played the one game that I played with my Fast mm. layers against your Deepkin, um, mm. and which I did not win, but I did enjoy. Yeah, I think I think I quite like the new Fast Lairs book as a whole. It feels mm. quite different to how Fast Lairs played before. I think in particular, they feel a lot less tanky. So I am very used to half-guard berserkers in 2nd edition Age of Sigmar just standing up to anything. And in this game, that was very much not the case. And they died quite quickly. So
0: that, was that, in a way, almost helped you. Because in my head, I was thinking half-guard berserkers are impossible to kill. But I took the battle tactic to kill a battle line unit, of which they were my selection, because they were just in my way. Um, had to get through them to get the juicy, juicy heroes behind and um, committed basically my entire army to that because I thought, ooh, I'm going to have to really kill these guys. Um, and it turns out you don't really have to anymore. What it did do was leave my entire I army mean, intensely overexposed in front of your, <laughs> your Magma <Magna-Dwarf>. Um <laughs> The
1: problem was that what that happened was that I attacked you with a Magma and it riffed completely and reminded me of the <laughs> standard level of disappointment <laughs> that happens when a Magma does anything. And though actually, yeah. I think that was atypical because later in the game, the Magma did a lot of work and I was quite excited to play with them more in ARS 3. But it did seem entirely predictable <laughs> the first time I tried to get one to do something it just missed everything. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, it's. I don't know if New Model Syndrome counts over TTS but it was definitely New Rule Syndrome.
1: Yeah. But I think I mean, you know, much as I liked my Half-Guard Berserkers being all but invincible that probably didn't make the army very fun for anyone else and I think overall Fire Slayers are probably a more fun army now because yeah. they're less one sided i think there's probably more varied lists you could play with them and there's more there's a lot of sort of interesting decisions about when to use once per battle abilities which i definitely don't think i got right in the game i played with them i think i definitely i don't think i used the right runes on the early turns in particular no. so that feels like a kind of interesting thing that i will get better at as i get more games in and that will vary depending on who i'm playing against Whereas my previous experience with fast slayers was kind of you always just castle up and run the half-guard berserkers into the middle in pretty much every <laughs> scenario.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, they, so They seem now like a faction that it's more fun to own a collection of mm. rather yeah. than, you know, the, like if you're wanting to play in like, like tournaments in general before, you probably would have had a heck of a lot of half-guards. And they also, I think, feel more fun to play against. Well, yes. Yeah. So far. But my perception, just for the other options in the book as well, is that you might encounter a lot more of them and more variety within sort of the list that you're likely to face. Hmm.
2: Yeah. And it's I think not within... just
0: trying to grind through one unit at a time. Yeah.
1: I think within reason, certainly Volkai Berserkers are way more useful now, which as someone who has yeah, fifty yeah. of them makes me happy. But Auric <laughs> Hathgard, I think is the opposite. I think they were they peaked in early ARS three and now I don't think you really run them anymore. So fortunately I don't have any, but if I had had thirty Auric
0: Hathgard, <laughs> I would be a bit sad better. The vibe I um, got from the book was it was a lot more hero focused than the old one. It wants you to yeah. hero hammer it up more just I mean, like you said, with the changes to the units, you've got uh, Hearthguard being way less pivotal. Still very strong. Like, they're still a really good unit, I think. But less, like Rich said, the big anvil that you plonk in the middle of the board and let them do all the work. And Volkites are good, but they have their own set of problems, don't they? Yeah, um, I mean, mainly that they're
1: on 32 mm base. <laughs> bases with one-inch one range is fundamentally yeah. their story.
0: It's kind of a bit harsh them coming out at the same time as the new Numata Throw War Scroll. Um, yeah, which, yeah, it's a yeah. bit getting the nuts. Whereas the heroes feel like they've been really, um, really revamped. I really do like the new. There's so many berserkers in the army. Um, Grimrath Berserker, yeah, really good. Yeah, Big I mean, fan.
1: I like. I think Grimrath Berserkers were very fun in previous yeah. versions of First Lairs, but they probably didn't really make it into a competitive list and now I think you would take one and potentially more than one yeah. in on a competitive list, so that's yeah. cool. I mean, First Lairs have always wanted to take heroes, but they certainly previously have mainly been buff pieces, yeah. whereas now some of them, I think you're right, are the sort of more hard-hitting things, particularly the sort of killer MagmaGoth that you can boost with many yeah. different things, so that he fights twice and has extra rend and extra
0: damage and all that. Yeah, As usual, I was ahead of the game by writing uh, a three runes and magmadroth list. <laughs> I still
1: don't think a three runes and magmadroth
2: list is just a good one.
1: Yeah, because I don't think they boost each other anymore in the way they used to. I might be wrong because I still don't own
0: a runes and magmadroth. So They're much choppier now, though, right? So yeah, they, they are. They don't need to be boosting each other so yeah. much because they can just do it by themselves. Yeah. No. But I think it's the really. I'm advocating five drops.
1: Yeah, it's the really fast one. Magnum would be the really choppy one. Yeah. I think you probably. I think probably three drops would be the best number, maybe, and you could certainly one take beach. a four drop one that would be perfectly
0: yeah. decent. Yeah, I must admit, my my constant desire for an army of just all big things. Um, does have me looking at the Lofnir sub faction like, mm. just a little magma What happened to terror Rich? What happened to Terra I mean, uh, there's always danger. <laughs> like
1: <laughs> are so much better.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not I sure. I mean, not, in,
1: right the game, the not sure. yeah, in the yeah, game.
0: They're probably in the game. Not in the I don't know. They might be better now, you know? Yeah, might be better. Maybe. Now. Do we want to keep talking about Fire Slayers? Have you guys got, got any more Fire thoughts?
2: Um, what was your
1: take from playing against them, Rich?
0: Yeah, I uh, had a really fun game with my uh, local friend Alex, a friendly local game store. It's the first mm. game I've managed to play there in about three years, um, due to having moved away, as well as you know just the impact of the last couple of years. So... Um, yeah, that was nice. Uh, they do. They seem fun. They seem, yeah, they seem good. I definitely, um, I feel like I've had a couple of games against Fire Slayers and probably Laura, at least one of them has been against you that have been, whilst like perfectly lovely, just like real grinds um, of going, mm. like, cannot believe how few models I have killed <laughs> in the entire turn. Um and it didn't feel like that. Well, there was definitely stuff that felt like it could last. And there was stuff that felt like it could put out some damage. Uh, but I think it's, it's sort of spread more evenly and more interestingly than it used to be. Um, yeah, like, all of the sub-factions look kind of interesting for at least one thing. There's lots of interesting-looking command traits and artifacts. How did you find Fights First? Did it come up, or...? Um, Yes, I think it did.
1: See, so it would have been really good in the game I played against you, except that you were deepkin, and so it was totally <laughs> useless for the entire was, time.
2: But I, I, I do think it's
1: yeah. I do think it is still a good ability and against yes, yeah. a lot of armies it would be useful and it would have made the half guard yeah. relatively better than they were against the Deepkin.
0: So yeah. for that game I was playing with my maggotkin, so I was able to absorb some fights first attacks. Without it having too much of an impact on my Mm -hmm. kind of board position or return, but yeah, it feels like powerful, and that's um... it's sort of fire slayers unleash hell, isn't it? It fits the same sort of thing where you're. It's an. Feels like an ability to be baited, if possible, Uh, and if not possible, an ability to be sucked up. Yeah, it's got to live with it. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think the problem is you are competing for command points a lot because there's so mm-hmm. many other command abilities you want to use. And if it's a trade-off of that or all-out attack, it's sometimes going to be a bit of a
0: Yeah, off. okay. How CP-heavy do you find them? Because I think my deepening experience is I'm not really spending them.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, one game I think was, was too early to judge it, but I think they will be a bit more CP-heavy than they used to be because the old Hermdai used to be Pretty much battle shock immune in meaningful situations, whereas now they don't have the, the you know that, that's less the case. So you are going to need the occasional inspiring presence. Um, you will almost certainly, pr- I mean, all out attack and all out defence are going to be where a lot of your CP will go. I think um, rally
2: as well for you, I suppose.
1: Well, yeah, the battlesmith having the special rally ability, but I don't. I think the problem is that it's going to be quite unusual for stuff to get into a fight and still be around at the end of the fight to be worth rallying, so I don't actually know how often that will get used in practice.
0: Mm. <laughs> Six <laughs> months you'll be rallying fulminators.
1: <laughs> well I'm hoping they will FAQ it said I can't rally fulminators because I don't think that's really how that ability is intended to be used, obviously. Yeah, but we'll would usually run in fives, so I, I you know, while the ability to run them on a four plus is cool, I don't see that happening very often in practice. Hmm.
0: That's fair enough. And maybe yeah. you're spending those hero points on heroes that kill things.
1: Yeah, I mean I just love Magma drifts, so I've always <laughs> got to prioritise my Magma
2: for cool yeah, facts but...
0: That seems fair enough. The Runefather father on Magwadroth now seems like an um... Almost like auto includes if you're gonna if you want a big killer hero like yeah, did you play against the punch, father, yes, I did, um yeah, it's good, I mean, yeah, if I talked through the game in a bit like it it didn't basically <laughs> but um yeah. uh, yes, he did seem very good, and I think is it the uh I can't remember what it is, is it one of the command abilities lets she- you? fight twice with it, one turn again. I think um, it's his
1: command it. trait.
0: Yeah, well, trait. Sorry, I
1: might yes. be wrong because I don't have the book in front of me.
0: I think you're right. Um, I literally just read it a minute ago. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I, the command traits and the artifacts are really interesting, I think, because you can mm. potentially take a lot of artifacts if you run the Greyfear Lodge. and there are enough interesting artifacts, so I think you've got really interesting choices and things to play with there, which is cool.
2: Yeah, they've got loads of artifacts.
0: I think it's so weird. There's some weird commonality between these two books. Thinking about it, because so you've got the sort of they're the two strikes first factions really that exist anymore. There's like a smattering mm. of it elsewhere, occasional model. These are two where it seems like core to their identity, and also they appear to be books where they've decided to just give you the ability. I've always wanted an AOS. I've always been sort of jealous of 40k because this is, they've been handing it out for forever. It's the ability to take your generic s- small hero and just turn them into an absolute combat beast and slap people around way above, punching way above their weight. You know, you've got the Father with the, um, fighting twice. And then you've got the Achillean King with the <laughs> unstoppable fury bonus attack. Ridiculous bonus attacks rule.
1: He did seem to be extremely good. I don't. Do you ever not take one in a Deep Kid army now?
0: Yes. Yeah, I think there are certainly armies where you don't take them. I think maybe if you're going super competitive, you might not take him at all. So the king is very good on certain turns. He's quite low volume of attacks normally. So what you want him doing is charging. Extra render damage, and you want him on high tide for extra attacks. And outside of that, he's much less fighty, and he is incredibly fragile. It's like seven wounds, no ward for a 250 point single model. Yeah, it's a big investment in a model that could just heal over and die very quickly. Um, so I think probably, I think mean, if you see. I'm not sure that a list has turned up for Deepkin yet. I don't know if it will with this book, so I think it is a bit better internally balanced. But ones I've been seeing have certainly been either going quite hard on him or skipping him entirely. I like him personally because he makes eels battle line, which is good for me. Oh, do you have some eels, Matthew? A couple, yeah. (laughs) A couple. I don't, I don't oh. have any vested interest in explaining to you why eels are still good in the new book and that the death of the Morsar guards has been uh, overstated.
1: <laughs> they did seem... I mean, the thing that is a lot less good, right, is that they no longer get the deep... that well, they can deep strike, but they don't get the plus three to
2: charge. No.
1: But they still did plenty of work killing dwarves once yes. they got into a fight.
0: Yeah, so there's a few. there's a few things they've lost, basically, I think. So they've lost um easy access for plus one to wound on all their profiles. So that still exists in the book, but um you're either using an aspect of the storm who only gives it to the rider, or you're using Lotan, who's a bit harder to keep up with <laughs> guard being a, an elf on foot. Um so that's trickier and also previously, you know, as well as the plus three to charge um, you were looking at loads of rerolls of ones to hit, just from all over the place in that old book. Um, so they lost a lot of consistency, although the Achillean King does now hand out plus one to hit in a 12 inch Jorah, which is very nice. But I think what they gained is a couple of things, really. is One, they stayed the same points, uh, and everything else in the book has gone up like 20%. So relatively like one of the reasons you saw them disappear before was because sharks were so cheap sharks were like one a shark fights like two morsar guard basically i mean they're almost identical to two morsar guards that's including the shooting on the shark so obviously the shark's a bit more versatile and it works in two phases the morsar guard have a little bit of mortal root death. very similar otherwise in terms of how they fight um So when you're looking at them like that, points start to get... When it swings too far in either direction, one starts to become way better than the other. So way back in AOS 1, the sharks were much too expensive compared to the Morsal Guard. And then after the Marathi rework, the sharks are way too cheap compared to the Morsal Guards. And I think they've found a happier medium now where people will probably gravitate towards sharks because they're easier to use. Um, they always have their end, whereas Morsar Guard have to be charging. They have the 24 inch gun, so they provide out of combat phase damage as well. The Shark's sort of this more all round platform, but when you get down to the, the nitty gritty of it, the Guard hit way harder for cost still, whereas previously that was not the case, and after Marathi. So I think Morsar Guard are in a pretty nice place. I also think part of the reason people went off them was the one inch reach change, um which is obviously huge for anyone who has ever played with a cavalry base unit <laughs> even <laughs> even um thinking about cohesion aside you know that's that can be worked around just trying to fit it's a large footprint to try and pile in with, and you'll quite often have one hanging off the end, maybe like one and a half inches away, so potentially losing. A whole eel's worth of attacks can be a big deal, um, but the thing I don't, I haven't seen many people talk about is the way that they have rewritten the the mounts attacks, which is just way way better now. So they used to be horrible profile. They used to have two different profiles in melee, which was one attack with D3 damage or D3 attacks with one damage. Which is why would you write a profile like that? And like, but it works out the same. Mm. But you have to roll it out separately, and none of that had any rend. Um, and now they're three attacks d3 damage with rend which is like it's just a huge glow up like so i think people maybe don't think about how much better that mount profile is for actually killing things um, so hmm. I, I really rate them and i'm happy with the list i've been playing with i've taken i've played it a few times now um and i think it's good good honest fun for me i think it seems like uh, <laughs> i think it seems reasonably sort of good mm. all comers kind of tournament yeah. list like. Um it's probably not hyper optimized, but that's <laughs> rarely is that a fun like the hyper optimized like winning every game in a team tournament to drag yourself to the top is is always like nine sharks or mm. you know, I mean, what was the ridiculous one at LGT last year? Order. There was something
1: um, was it kind of hunters with bows were massively banned at something?
0: Yes, I think there was one like that that someone might actually have taken the cockatrice. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, with. yeah, the cockatrice
0: well, list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like um, so, like your super tune stuff, mm-hmm. especially in like a team event, is always like that. But yeah, your list seems like a a nice go to tournament, have a fun time. Nothing's gonna, nothing is gonna like hold a bin bag off the end of the board and just tip your list into it. Yeah, there's some, there's some armies I'm scared of. I I don't think I have any game at all against Uncast Dragons. Mm. I don't know that the army does in general. I don't yeah. know what stands up to getting pinched in the face that hard. But I think so. my take on Deeplin as a book overall um, is that I suspect the internet <laughs> this might shock you, I suspect the internet might have reacted when the book came out. Oh. Um, <laughs> It's a I, think, to say. I think they're good, but I don't think it's gonna be like, wow, Deepkinna dominating everything. When you read the the rules, like the allegiance abilities and stuff, they all got pretty big glow-ups in this book, and they read like it's nuts. Like yeah. um you know, double high tide, being able to keep flip tides if you want it, having summonable gloom tide shipwrecks that hand out a five plus ward to Namatai. That all sounds bananas. Um, but when you actually go to write a list with the army, you do not get much army for your points. They're really clustered very heavily.
1: The double high tide was extremely good, though, I would yeah. say.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, it, so, yeah, that rule is absolutely bonkers. The army has some extremely powerful rules, but is incredibly flimsy. So, if stuff starts to go wrong this is always the case with Deepkin but it's more the case now is that if stuff starts to go wrong it will fall apart quite quickly
1: yeah if you lose a unit of eels or two sharks or something before Mm -hmm. they've got to do anything you're then very short of things that pose threat
0: yeah like they'll super fast but when you start losing things you lose the ability to be all over the board as well so yeah I think it the reality of it is it will be harder to play than it looks like but I would say that <laughs> this is all just conditioning for two months' time. <laughs> yeah. and again, the, um, it's kind sorry. of
1: like with mean, as I guess. They've removed some mm. of the things that made them less fun to play against as well, particularly the plus three to charge when you, you know, the fact you could deep strike with them and pretty much guarantee a charge was
2: mm.
1: something yes. that I did not particularly enjoy playing against. So maybe that just demonstrates that I am bad at screening things. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Deepkin definitely got slower as an army, um, which was probably needed for people's sanity. Nobody, especially because um, the other thing Eels lost off there was well was native reroll charges. So a rerollable plus three with no CP was, uh, yeah. you know, it feels fun to do it. Perhaps a <laughs> little, a little overtuned. A little overtuned, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, they seem they seem fun. I think that book's in a healthy place. Mm. Deepkin have had a really weird run, in my yeah. opinion, from yeah. like coming out at the end of first and kind of languishing all the way up to getting those new war scrolls in Marathi. Um, the, but even the, the that, academy, right? Yeah, yeah. Even before that, you'd always see some up high, and I feel mm. like you just sort of never really saw them. Mid and low table, unless it was someone who's really passionate about you know, CLs, I think they've always so, been unpopular as an army. Yeah, I think the they're, are, they're a really beautiful range of models. I think if you mm. like that aesthetic, um, yeah, they're really really nice, but
1: quite a big painting challenge. I think I reckon yeah. people are put off them because they're not an army, it's easy to paint. In a quick race, so they look good. I mean, maybe it's mm. easier now, but they've got a lot of gems and trim and stuff.
0: I've seen people who have ignored them for tabletop standards and just sort of banged out quite quickly, and they, they look, look okay. They yeah. look fine. Like if you went up close, you'd probably be like, mm. <laughs> "You've skipped a bit here." But for you most the most part, it's a leather strap there. Yeah, <laughs> oh. they do have a lot of texture. Um, yeah, lots of scales and lots of uh, they're like armors. That kind of like I think it's normally painted in the studio schemes as metal, but it's that mm. kind of like very defined, ridged kind of stuff. And I've seen that painted really nicely with like contrast and stuff as bone or in like mm. a primary color.
1: But I think um, you know, even if you if you're doing them as just like a contrast army, there's still a lot of different bits.
2: Yes, You've still yes, got to absolutely. paint
1: the armor and the skin of lots of different sea creatures and mm. human skin and gems and fancy weapons and
0: stuff. So. They're never uh, going to rival painting a contrast on the skin of a rat and then a different contrast <laughs> on the fur of the rat, and then they're done. <laughs> yeah, I they're, they're
1: more intimidating yes, army yes. to paint than a lot of armies if you don't want the sort of three-year mm. painting <laughs> project.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you're right Rich. They've had a pretty wild time. Like, I feel like at the end of the last book they were one G H B away from being probably the most internally balanced army in AOS. Just weirdly. Um yeah. which is runs counter to them. And I think they're in a good place now. The only my only gripe if I have one with the book, and I usually do, is that you probably what you probably won't see is the kind of mixed arms Builds you saw out of the Marathi book. because even with like the Shark Spam builds, uh, out of the Marathi stuff, you were still taking a Matai, you were still probably taking a Defensive Eel, you took a Turtle, you took an Eidolon, then you took the Sharks. And that's because, <laughs> so there was some undercosted stuff there, obviously. Um, but now you cannot do that. You start having to, you chop away the big stuff, basically. You know, so none of the army left I'm writing really have sharks or edelons in it. Maybe have uh, not sharks, but turtles or addlons anymore. Uh, maybe the odds yeah. turtle, but
2: Turtles is five
0: hundred points though. It is five hundred points. Huge, huge amount. And I do think it's cool that you can run them as battle line. Yeah. That's good. Um you can't it's good. You can't run it as a character thing. Yeah. So run you can't have an all turtle army. No, um, you could have two kings and three turtles as a legal army, I think. so. <laughs> kings are 250. So Yeah. But, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's your brain coming up with another monster list. <laughs> mm, a little bit. It's always, I like <laughs> to try and find it, but I don't, um, I don't know. I think weirdly, like the turtle is a cool centerpiece model. But it is probably like my least favorite model in the army.
2: Really? really, I, I really like
0: it. just the the reavers and the cavalry. Yeah, that's fair. So that's not one I would jump at, but yeah, they do I really like the, when the turtle. But it doesn't feel like the kind of monster you would take three of visually. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's good that one you've that you... got the option. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take one and you build your waves of other stuff around it so that they all get buffed with the. Battleline one, I think that is viable even with just one turtle. And that's maybe the way I'd run a turtle would be in, um, in that sub-faction. So it makes them a bit better in a fight as well. Yeah. Should we talk about games, what we've played? Yeah, let's do it. I do want to start. So we've played a few, so I guess we can maybe rattle through. How was yeah. your Maggotkin game? Yeah, okay. So this is the game we played against... Alex's Fire Slayers that I mentioned before. Uh, so I took a Maggotkin list. I am desperately trying to remember exactly what it had in it, but it, it fulfilled the basic rule of all Maggotkin lists I run at the moment of what I have painted. <laughs> so I had a great and clean one as my general um, with the the classic Nurgle's Nail on his swarm of Nurglings to try and get some extra disease points off. <laughs> um had um what else did they have? Lord of Blights, Units of Blight Kings, Postgold Blight Lords, Plague Drones, Plague Bearers, Sloppity bar Piper, and a Beast of Nurgle, I think that was it. Mm-hmm. Um and then Alex had a, a pretty mixed Fire Slayer list, so uh he was running the Vostarg Lodge which is I think probably Buffs Kite
1: Berserkers, I <laughs> believe.
0: Yeah, I said it probably the go-to one? No, I, I think, think... Greyfeard is Grayfeard. the go-to one. Grayfeard. For the extra
1: artifacts, I think it's going to be the
0: best. Plus, dogs, yeah. fine. Yeah, but that's it's a... definitely, yeah. totally fine. Uh, Volkites get plus one to hit and wounds when they charge. Which, which is a certainly powerful rule, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah it
1: good. is, but you are it's not going to be rare to get that many into combat when you charge with them, because... Yeah. of the running to range thing, so
2: it's good,
0: indeed but that. if you're
1: relying on Volkites to be our damage dealers, I don't think that's gonna work.
0: <laughs> and indeed that did appear to be the case. Um what well, have? He had the um the Rune Father on Bankadroth with the um Blood of the Berserker, where I guess fight twice, I think. Hmm. Yeah. No. Sorry, he didn't have Blood of the Berserker. So he had the Rune Father, but he had Spirit of Grimnir, which is the uh five plus enhanced effects on your runes. Uh, That's also um, very cool. Yeah, which I like. Um yeah, I think it I think it suffers from what if you just roll ones all game. But you that, know, yeah, know. Feels like a consistency over a five game. Yeah. Yeah. Like rather than in a I'm just having a fun game with my pals one.
2: Maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah. He
1: had I mean, some, it depends uh, what you want to do with the Magnemorph. I think if you know if you want to use the Magnemorph as your main damage dealing thing, Blood of the Berserker is probably better. But I think the Spirit of Grimdo is a perfectly solid choice, particularly if you've got less of a full-on fighty general
0: yeah. approach. The thing he did have as well was the magnetized runes, the plus two to charge rolls um, artifact mm. on the Rune Father, so decent threat range on that um
1: not the plus one to render damage one though
0: you know tell you what yes i i might be i might be getting this wrong i think he did have that axe the plus one render damage um on the rune father and then i think he had taken a battalion to also give him magnetized runes on someone else Mm -hmm. so maybe the rune father wasn't his general but he also had a couple of small heroes, including a new Flame Keeper model. Oh, cool! Um, he had unit ten Auric Hearthguard, the shooty ones. Some Hearthguard Berserkers and two or three units of volkites mm-hmm. He also had the character that lets you deep strike with the units. Rune um,
1: Smiter on foot.
0: Rune Smiter, that's the one. Uh, and he had two. Um, Magmic implications. So you have the baby magma dross, that's definitely what that's called. And <laughs> and the wall. I was about to really um, confidently yeah. call it Infernape, but that I think that's a Pokemon.
1: It is. It's It's a
0: Yes, it is. Oh
1: <laughs> I forgot what its name is. It's an isn't it? I think.
0: I think so, yes. And the
1: runic firewall
0: is the Runic Firewall, yes. I feel the like you could firewall reach that conclusion. Quite um quite quickly, (laughs) just by sort of pulling names out of the um, Fire Slayer word hat. Yeah, so it's good. We lined up, we drew the very strange battle plan, this edition's attempt at the instant win scenario.
1: I hate that battle plan.
0: (laughs) Which (laughs) is called Territory. Mm. So. Also named after going for piss. Yeah, I mean. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> compared to Second Ed, you've really thrown me at that. <laughs> compared to Second Ed, I do think this battle plan is a bit more interesting because of the—is um, it tectonic interference, removing objective? If you're going Second no, Ed start the third battle round, something seismic, seismic something. Yeah, you know. Tectonic right.
1: Interference is a different battle plan.
0: Yes, you're I right, think. that is an entire battle plan. Yeah. So it's, so it's a bit shift. shift. Yeah. So, it's so it's a bit shift, thank you. Yes. So does, so does
1: that make it more interesting, or does that just make it bad? I, it's well, going to be very well-being. Tur-
0: as it turns out, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Um, so we kind of set up um, in our territory, pretty pretty square on. On one flank, I had um, the Puscoil Light Lords, on the flies and one unit of blight kings and chimps waving a a savage orc at me (laughs) throwing me off um on one flank we had the pascal blight lords and a unit of uh, blight kings and the Hmm. lord of blights on the sort of middle across to one of the other flanks had the great and clean ones and plague bearers and plague drones um And other stuff kind of milling about between them. And basically, the way it went is that um, over the first couple of turns, our armies crashed together. So I let Alex go first, which I think is wise because he's very slow. Um, So, but you know, also so is Magikin. So he moved up the board a little bit. I moved up the little board <laughs> a little bit. I did have to put my Puscoils into range of the charging from the hmm. Um So we're effectively still each holding um, one objective. And uh, on the other flank, I moved my Plague Drones forward and they were engaged by, but not quite killed by, some Volkites. Um, I think I was left with one drone alive after... After the start of turn two, hmm. I was left with one drone alive there. So that's what that meant on it's quite good going on the Velcoids, really. Like those drones yeah. are pretty tough. I mean, it was the, the plague bearer drone, so there are fewer wounds than the big ones, but yeah, they're still pretty tough. Um, and they were they were killing stuff back. What that meant I could do though, just like because I was just in range, and they're one of the faster units I have, was um, he had left his back objective on that side exposed. So I was able to, in my turn two, in the second half of battle round two, was able to just retreat onto that objective. Um, oh no. He had opted not to bring his rune smiter mm-hmm. in with the Volkites yet. And um, on the other flank, his objective was still being held by his rune father. And we we effectively realized then that if I won the turn roll off but then decided to go second i could just delete the objective that he still held in his backfield and win the game yeah. and that is what happened um so it was just a, a maneuvering thing in the end i think the armies felt quite evenly matched from a smash-up point of view mm. uh, and indeed actually we did carry on uh yeah. so we ended the game there but i uh, we like carried on for another turn and a half two turns and just sort of you know, we walked down to the shop with our armies and wanted to roll some dice. So. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it was a really fun game, though. Um, mm. We're talking about organising a little local casual tournament out of the ashes of a slow-grow league that we were doing about a year ago. Mm. Um, so it should be fun. This, this st- is, seems to be a common pro- problem with that battle plan in all its various guises. has been, like, it's not just a turn th- from turn three you can win. It's from the start of turn three, back round three you can win. Yeah. Which just makes the game so sure if you even remotely fuck up. Yeah. It's very clear as well with that word immediately in the mm. glorious victory. And the yeah. thing about it is as well that, you know, like all of your battle tactics you're still picking and scoring and you still picked grand strat that you're trying to score. Mm. And you still have to track all of that. But none of it actually matters if you if you get that glorious victory Mm -hmm. obviously in a a tournament scenario i'm sure it might matter for tie breaks and things but um i guess in a (laughs) tournament you wouldn't get any of that stuff because the game's done yeah maybe i mean you i mean i would say maybe you wouldn't get this battle plan but um i've definitely lost this battle plan's predecessor uh, yeah, LGT a couple of years ago to Mix. Ming and his Prog Army. So some, some some TOs have historically really liked this one because it separates the pack. I've done yeah, forces around Renault. Yeah. Yeah. It gets rid of draws.
1: Yeah. I don't like instant win scenarios in general, but I think it's the I think I would like this one better if the objectives were prime objectives and you couldn't yes. remove one based on turn three priority because losing a game purely based on did you lose turn three priority
0: feels a bit rough. Yeah. Getting into that slight rough spot of maybe having lost one of your backfield objectives and then losing the whole game because roll off does feel a bit a bit rough, you know. But and usually I'm a you know double turn apologist, um, <laughs> but there is there is a turn you know it can happen in AOS that uh, a turn roll decides a game.
2: Yeah,
0: but, but totally. I mean, in this case, and making that... it happen more often in a game yeah. is worse.
1: But that ability is meant to compensate for the double turn yeah. isn't it because the idea yeah. is if you
2: yeah.
0: lose
1: turn three priority you get to if you take the objective yeah. off but it just it doesn't but work in this, lot in this in any way
0: yeah because <laughs> yeah. you just say i won the role so i choose to lose priority and then i get to do the thing that wins me the game yeah, yeah. um yeah so it's not the greatest scenario ever but it was a fun game um Talking about tracking things, Alex did introduce me to something I was completely not aware of before, which is the Honest Wargamer app, which um I think is still in development. Sorry, Honest Wargamer, if it's not and it's perfectly We're not. sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's not the official stance of the podcast. Um <laughs> it's uh but it's it's effectively, you know, the little table you draw in your notebook yeah. every every game to say Matthew's got three command points left, Laura's got two command points left, and you're constantly tracking that, and then mm-hmm. you're saying, this is the battle tactic I did, also I killed a monster, etc., yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it's basically just that, and then out of it you get a record of your practice games and your tournament games. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, for this particular battle plan, it doesn't really work, because it, when we used it, at least doesn't... I mean, it totally works tracking through the game, and indeed if you got to the end of the game and had to work out a minor victory it would work, but because you're not scoring VPs, you're just Mm -hmm. like, ticking boxes, basically. Yeah, It doesn't really have a way of recording a win, so I recorded my win by giving myself one VP in the last round. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it seems like a good tool, and I am Mm -hmm chronically forgetting to bring notebooks to games and also chronically forgetting to write down what happened in games so that i couldn't talk about them on podcasts so <laughs> <laughs>
2: um
0: i did find it really useful from that point of view and then immediately forgot to use it for the next game i played <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> yeah um yeah it's a long game though yes. how about your fire slayer idaneth off how did that go
1: it largely came down to a big fight in the middle, I think mm. it would be fair to say. But...
0: We hinted at that before, didn't we? Yeah. Um, so, what were you taking first there, was, Because I think your army was quite different to the one Rich fought against.
1: Yeah, so I had 10 Half Guard Berserkers, and I mm-hmm. had two units of Volkite Berserkers. I think there was a 20 and a 10. I had two magma dwarfs, so I had the Ulrich Runefather, who was set up with sort of all the things that make him as fighty as possible. And Mm -hmm. then I had a rune smiter on Magmadroth. And then I had some foot heroes. So I had a Grimath Berserker. I had a Battlesmith. And I had the rune smiter on foot, who's the one who can deep strike. I think that was most of it. There might have been some tweaking around the edges. But largely, it was that. And I set up um, the half guard roughly in the middle with the Magmadroths kind of running behind them. And I Mm -hmm. put the 20 Volkite Berserkers deep struck. And then the 10 Volkite Berserkers just stood on an objective somewhere and didn't do very much, if I remember correctly.
0: <laughs> I think at the end of the game they got minced up by a, a Killian King. But, yeah, I think I did. Um, yeah, so I was running the aforementioned Smash King um, <laughs> with the, oh, what's it called? Um, terrible Fury, horrible Smashiness command trait. Basically, it's <laughs> command trait that um, means in high tide he gets. Uh, it's really. Horror, you don't see bust like this very often, or not of this quality. Um, so he gets plus two attacks to his melee weapons, not his mount, but he does have two melee weapons. Uh, one of which is when he charges Ren 3 damage 3. Uh, <laughs> uh, and because the way his rules work, we'll be hitting a Wounded on Woonagon twos as well. Uh, he gets plus two attacks to all of his melee weapons um, for each enemy unit within three inches on high tide. So, it's fairly trivial to get plus four attacks out of that, which is a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially because he starts with three. Um, it's comically effective versus KO because when you fight a boat, you count as being within three inches of everything inside the boat as well. Um, <laughs> so, oh, no. then you, you <laughs> then you get like plus six attacks and just go hog wild. Oh. Both um, Full of a unit and three supporting characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, itself, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. And there's no upper cap on that. Just nope. how many just units. Keep, keep going. I don't think they expected that particular interaction. But mm, in most. Not. It, I mean, you're guaranteed plus two attacks, which by itself is really. You know, that's an extra six potential damage out of the bladed polar. So that's really powerful. I think I took an artifact on him that makes him even fightier. Um, but in retrospect, it's a bit. Um, overkill doesn't need it Um, and it's got a downside as well so subsequent games I've dropped that Um, with him I took a tidecaster which is the wizard Um, her main gimmick is she lets you take two Isharan rituals which are the new ways you can tweak the tides so you could add extra rules on top of a particular tide and she lets you take two of them which is okay Uh, what I found is the rituals aren't great so I'm not utterly convinced by um, her efficacy, but it's they're fun rules, really, and it's quite nice to be able to pick and choose at the start of the game. So I like that mechanic.
1: You want um, another hero, right? Just to
0: yeah, you do. You know, I do think there's probably things. a better choice. Um, she's quite expensive for for one cast wizard. Um, the deep lore is only okay, and um, yeah, so she's like a hundred and fifty points, I think so. Okay. It gets a bit it gets a bit spendy. Um so I took a unit of ten nomato thralls and a unit of ten nomato reebas. And then they were both excellent, really good. Um took two units of six more guards, a unit of two sharks, and a unit of one shark. And that's the army, basically. Um so it's quite compact, but it has the ability to hit very, very, very hard when it needs to, which is the idea. I deploy it basically the same every game, so you put down two bits of ship, and you put a unit of Nomatai within six inches of each, and then the rest of the army goes behind that, because um, of the way Dukin can't be shot from, you can't, like, sh- you have to shoot the closest target with them. Uh, and the new way the ships work is Nomata get five plus ward off of the ships, I just find it makes them actually quite survivable for soaking up an Alpha Strike and then Still having models left, which has traditionally been my problem with the army is I've put this deep, uh, this Nomato screen up and then it all dies.
2: Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, like
0: Scott said, she sort of dangled this unit of Hearthguard in front of the Deepkin and I went for it and killed it. Um, but did it by committing the king, all three sharks and a unit of Morsar. And they were then sat in front of the rest of your army. <laughs> um so that's the best part of a thousand points committed yes. to killing one yeah. unit of Hearthguard. Yeah. 54,
1: so then, 50. Yeah. But it can't have been far off a thousand points of my army either, I suppose. So then it came down to Magmadroth's trying to kill all mm. of that. And they did a respectable amount of damage, but not enough, essentially, was the story of the game.
0: Yeah, you sort you picked up the sh- you picked up all the sharks, didn't you? And you you were desperate to kill the king because yeah, you knew high tide was, was coming. Yeah, partly. there was a bit
1: when I couldn't quite get my Magmadroth into the king mm. because you'd sensibly uh, positioned him in such a way that uh, with the size of the Magmadroth base, I couldn't get close enough mm-hmm. for this of the attacks to hit. So I think I ended up ignoring the king to try and kill yeah. other stuff, and then the king just murdered
0: my Magmadroth. And I sort of. I think I sort of screwed myself out of my own high tide a bit with the Morsar guard because they went into the Grimwrath who it turns out just fights you anyway. Uh, And he did quite a lot of damage.
1: Yeah. I had an artifact. I can't remember. I think I had an artifact that once per game doubles his attacks or Mm, something like that. So he was quite, you know, for a small and fairly cheap hero, he was pretty choppy.
0: Yeah. So I think it was like a, it came down to that sort of fight in the middle um which because the timing of when it happened, there was always this impending high tide sort of looming over the the top of that fight as to what was gonna happen. And then I think that fight was happening over one of the objectives, and the other objective in like no man's land, I was holding on to with the unit of Reavers. And it was difficult for you to bring your smiter and crew in i think in a way that impacted the battle in any way there wasn't anything good for them to come down
1: yeah i dropped them in essentially just in this corner Mm. um and they needed to make a charge and i think i maybe even re-rolled it and they failed it they had i can't remember exactly the details but i feel like it was an eight inch charge that i Failed twice, and then they were mm. just stuck completely out of the way and not in a position to impact the game. I yeah. don't know if it would have changed anything if they'd got in because not many of them would have actually got into the fight. They would certainly have held things up for quite a while because it was mm-hmm. a good amount of wounds of.
2: It's a lot of wounds. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, as it was, they just ended up quite out of position and not really in a position to do anything very helpful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is. I think also where you had issues with the Volkites, right? Because we got into some quite tight combats with them where things were really squeezed into a small area and you just you get this real low volume of attacks coming out of them, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to boost their attacks now. So mm-hmm. I had yeah, the you... ones with double hand axes and I can't, mm-hmm. again, the details have completely gone. Yeah. But there are various ways you can boost their attacks. We so had a lot of attacks per dwarf, but then... When you think about that in your head, you're thinking, "Hey, I could get twenty draws and four attack each." What actually happens is you get six draws and four attacks each, four attacks each, and then the others are standing at the back going, mm, we can't quite reach over our mates."
0: <laughs> yeah, sort of diminishing returns on your the
1: yeah, there's an interest. I think there's quite an interesting decision as to whether you take the ones with hand axes, who are definitely mm-hmm. the fightier ones these days, or whether you take the ones with shields, who are much less good in combat because their default is only one attack each, which is quite sad. But they have yeah. a better save, and I mm-hmm. wonder whether there's a strong argument for taking at least some of your Volkites with that. Because if all you want them to do is hold an objective somewhere, the shields are actually
2: going to be more survivable.
0: Is and there they do, a, do the mortals on the charge as well, right? Yeah, so, yeah but it's I think so, a huge ability. But.
2: Yeah,
0: is there like a meaningful price difference? Like, if you take enough, is there a point where you can take anything else, or is it just a no, bit?
1: The the hand axes are ten points more than the shields, but okay. there'll be some lists when that ten points will be the difference between you being able to take something else. Yeah, good. But like My initial looking at the war scroll was just, oh, shields of rubbish now because they only get one attack each. But actually, mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. I think there's situations in which it does make sense to take
0: I think when the book dropped, I think one of your initial worries was, boy, is this going to be a nice army to drop Storm Stormdrake Guard into. <laughs> I mean, the answer concerned? is still.
1: I think the answer is still yes. I, yeah. I mean, it depends a little bit on do they fix the battlesmith so that he can't rally stormbreak guard, while he can rally stormbreak guard. <laughs> you think you want to take stormbreak guard? But I do still think the army would be better if you had stormbreak guard in it. Mm. They give it mobility that it really lacks. They give it some bottle wounds, which apart from the half cups, because it's not super strong on, um, and they do have things they can do to boost allies if you take
0: the right abilities. Yes, yeah, that's um, interesting. Which
1: could be really good, I think.
0: Hmm. Again, so is that an ability that... we talk about Iron Drakes potentially benefiting from that? Or is that just the rallying them?
1: Um, I think Drakes we were talking about it in the that. context of rallying, but a uh, go also, I think, is quite a solid ally these days. Uh, I mean, he <laughs> always is, I guess, but... The problem with him in first layers, sort of historically, I suppose, has been that Fire Slayer's already quite slow and quite fighty, <laughs> um, so he didn't really add a different dimension. But I think with the ability to use some of the the stuff they've got that specifically boosts allies, it makes him Beautiful. more attractive.
0: Yeah, interesting. And then I guess lastly we did Lumineth. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've yeah. Played with Lumineth for a while. Yeah. Uh, so it's you really were cool. playing with... You're experimenting with 30 Venari Sentinels, right? Yeah, so I was experimenting with the list that i I chat to some people about and thought, like, if you want to take Tecnus in a list, then maybe this is a good way of doing it. Um, mm. When I say good, I mean interesting. Um, <laughs> but the the list effect was your classic Syar so everyone gets two Aether Quartz, Teglis, mm-hmm. Catalar with Goading Arrogance as a general, mm-hmm. casting Total Eclipse, and then three units of ten Wardens and a unit of mm-hmm. thirty Sentinels. And yeah. then points put into the Umbral Spell Portal and the uh, Emerald Life Swarm. Endless yeah. Spells. Um, feels like... Uh, but I think the thing that always catches me out with Lumineth as mm-hmm. a uh, yeah, I've played, I don't know, 15 or 20 games with my living authority probably now across various events and lists and won no more than 25% and probably quite significantly less than 25% of them. Um, For all that they've had their time being um, quite powerful or Mm -hmm. like quite annoying, um, arrogant (laughs) or um, sort of, yeah, like, a bit in your face to deal with. Um, they're really technical to play, yeah. uh, which maybe doesn't suit me incredibly well. I do just absolutely love the models. but mm-hmm. um, So, uh, like, a good example of that is having not played them for a while, I knew I was supposed to set up my three units of Wardens in Shining Companies with the base-to-base contact to get the minus one to hit. mm mm-hmm but I didn't get past that into thinking, actually, what I need to do is not set them up in that so they can all run onto objectives in turn one, and that caused mm-hmm. me quite a lot of grief in a scenario yeah. we played. Um, you got into a bit and, of a traffic jam, didn't you? Yeah, so gen- like my general strategy when I play with tech lists, because you've got the flexibility of being reasonably guaranteed <laughs> against all but a couple of lists of casting mm. fourth bells with tech lists. And then, you know, he's also giving out that plus one aura to pretty much everything else mm-hmm. near him. So you're probably also going to get most of your other spells off as well. Um, particular pain face for you, <laughs> Matthew, so in our first <laughs> round where you rolled three tens to unbind Texas' spells and thus <laughs> none of them. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah. Um, yeah, so you can reasonably rely on that, and so you do yeah. get a nice flexibility. So generally what I try and do is make sure I'm in a battle regiment to drop turn one, and then you know, get your ward off, get total eclipse off just to make life difficult for your opponent, and mm-hmm. then use that first turn for positioning and trying to pick some stuff off. Um and this is the first time I've actually really experimented with having the portal. Um, and I really like casting the portal and then casting Teclas's big nuke spell through it. Funny it. It's it's feels good to do. Uh, but I think I got a bit excited by that, mm. and you know, like sure, I did a few mortal, I killed a few the Martai, and did some wounds to a couple of heroes. You put some I, wounds on everything. Like yeah. you hit my whole army with it twice. I think. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think I rolled one one across yeah. two casts a so did, bit which is it is a lot of damage but it's a lot of spread damage isn't it it's so a lot of spread damage and actually uh, generally in turn one i quite often cast transporting vortex and shift mm-hmm. something somewhere else um what it ended up having to do because of the way i deployed in this game is shift my block of 30 sentinels forward onto an objective and yeah. they then kill the shark but they also then lost over half their unit to like a, small, a unit of Morsar charging them. Um, yeah, they got and, shot by Reavers. And, um, oh, and Reavers took a few off as well, yeah. So I don't think that was tactically wise. I guess we should say we were playing, oh gosh, what is it called? Survival of the Fittest, mm. where you've got the sort of Tetris piece-shaped deployment with objectives on the points between them, and you nominate predators yeah. in your army that get you extra VPs if they kill another predator. So I think this is quite an interesting game theoretically just because both of our armies do things that feel like uh, counters to the other army, right? So I would say the big deepkin weakness is mortal wounds, which you have in abundance. But the counter to that is what you like to be able to do is pick out a target and destroy it at range, which I completely forbid you from doing. And that, yeah. yeah, part of the reason for that is um obviously forgotten nightmares you have to shoot the closest unit, which is why you had to shoot a whole unit of sentinels at one shark <laughs> <laughs> but the the other reason yeah. you had to teleport those sentinels forward was because um oh, one of the ri- rituals it's a really situational one but when it comes up, it's incredibly powerful, is uh that in the first battle rounds, your unit can only be shot by models that are within 12 inches well it's, oh, it's awesome. any time that low tide yeah. is active right yes, yes. so, so twice if you're also doing end, yeah. but if you're also doing your iron rack thing of giving stuff like counts as in low tide as well then so iron rack you can only give flood and ebb tide so there's no ways there's no way to get yeah yeah, yeah. it's right. so the you only you to have it in battle round 1 and 5 but that's really yeah. good. Like about yeah. round one, not getting alpha strikes off the mm-hmm. board, which you know Deepkin are good at anyway with yeah. shooting. Because, um, like you say, you you lose your ability to choose to higher priority unless you're very good at deployment. Which you know I can't be with this army in particular because I absolutely desperately want to be one yeah. drop so that I've at least got a fighting chance of getting my ward off before yeah. being destroyed by anything. <laughs> uh, thinking about yeah. a particularly sad game <laughs> against the Cruel Boys shooting army at Blackout last year uh, against a very very nice <laughs> opponent who I think you also played actually. Um, mm. But uh, yeah he he managed to win first turn and then shot Teclas off the board before he could <laughs> ever cast a ward on the army. Um, let me tell you, that army <laughs> falls apart quite quickly once uh eight goes away. Dead. Yeah. 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 Um that that's kind of what happened with this as well, right? Like um we played quite pagey early. Uh, we both lost quite a lot quite quickly. Um yeah. like I lost half a unit of Morsar to unleash Hell from the Sentinels. Um and they got sort of stuck there for a bit. And then like, you put all but one wound on the king. It was a really yeah. nice play to kill him outside Many. of high tide, and to take that away because he hadn't really done anything yet. He just limped away on that one wound, which was, is... and then if I remember rightly, did a heroic heal and yeah, got a load of wounds back. Yeah, he yeah. I feel like I put ten wardens on like what I would have classed from my point of view as like the far objective. It was not yeah. where a lot of things were happening. So I took that objective and scored it round mm-hmm. one, and I feel like you committed a lot of stuff to that. I think you committed the unit of two sharks and the a unit of morsar, morsar to yeah. taking them off. Um, I guess the speed of those means actually that's not an over commitment, but it certainly felt like a a lot. Um, so my my thinking there is that one, I I can take it at that point in the game, yeah, um, and it just gets and. I am faster than you, and so it puts you in a position where uh, without spells, you can't really ever take that back from you, yeah. unless like a disaster happens, where my army just falls to bits. I can't fan around <laughs> my army falling to bits. <laughs> I no. I um... have to play for it existing. So it that becomes was... abundantly clear that I cannot even... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting one, because like you said, there is so much stuff in Lumineth that just... When it's happening to you, it just feels like bullshit. Um so yeah. I'm sure as we will we'll attest, the um is extremely annoying. I
2: hate the
1: Cathalar. Specifically uh, uh, Rich, I hate your Cafolar after a right. bad experience where two man crush a guardians run away and I was very sad.
0: Yeah. So I made it a I made a what I should have done, I could have just walked onto an objective and taken it with my Namato Thralls, but I did instead was charge the Catalar. Baffed the attacks, just something incredible. She survived, and then Cathalar um, kills the whole units with battle shock because the sentinels had taken like fifteen damage. Yeah, I think she killed one of them mm. on return with her artifacted weapon. Yeah, to then trigger adding plus fifteen to their battle shock roll when I knew you had no command points. Yeah, which yeah, because yeah, um, you totally eclipsed me. Which mostly doesn't matter, but. For my army, but in that specific situation, killed the unit. Yeah, yeah um, because you still I think, I can't remember, I think you used it on an all-out attack in the end. Yeah. Like it's sort of worth, oh no, you might have used it, was that what saying? you may have used two to re-roll a charge. Yes, I had to re-roll yeah. a charge. Yeah, yeah. So you decided it was sort of significant. Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean I love sort of that ability for catching people off guard with it what the the situation where i was trying to engineer with that was killing one more sar guard and then putting plus 15 onto their battle shock test yeah um because i think that would have then let me retake that top like at that point it's worth me committing to maybe teleporting something onto that top objective in the next turn taking it back but um yeah, I think this is a, like you say, it's kind of a cagey game. I felt for the whole first two turns like I was losing catastroph- catastrophically, but was outscoring you on points. And See, I thought I was losing catastrophically and you were outscoring me on points, so that's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I could, I think I could just tell that my stuff was dying too quickly, and maybe that's mm. the, like you've got good experience with Deepkin, but. You know, I've played lots of games with the Lumineth and mm-hmm. I think I'd know how quickly it can die yeah. without it being a problem, right? And <laughs> half that unit of Sentinels going, like, that's a huge amount of points. It's a that lot unit. of down the toilet, yeah. And, yeah. I think the notable thing about this game was that really the scenario felt so irrelevant. Like, I don't like this scenario at all because it's got really complicated deployment. Mm. It's got, like, extra paperwork to do. Yeah. And then I think, like, a change that I'd like for this is just your Predator units killing things. Like, never mind your Predator units killing other Predators. It's also not um, t- tends to not be how Predators work. <laughs> yeah. That, I get that it's called Survival of the Fittest, mm. but that's, you know, that's also a reference to a completely different evolutionary concept. <laughs> That is not survival of the one that wins the most fights against the other predators. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, you know, naming conventions aside. <laughs> yeah. like, I just like it didn't it didn't feel like it was doing anything interesting. Like really the points generic. felt like they were coming as always from battle tactics and the, the good hold one, hold two, hold more objective system and the um the Predator stuff is icing that was not required. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Very much so. But yeah. But yeah you know, so so that, I think that did wind up in a loss for me after you Yeah. Were, there was a. The crux of it really was uh, high tide again, wasn't it? It was. um was always fucking high tide. <laughs> I was just sort of committed into techless. And then, sort of, when the dust settled there, you didn't really have an army left. We yeah. sort of got into your turn three and it was a bit. You have a unit of 10 Wardens on the board. It, I think that literally might have been it, or it might yeah. have been maybe like 10 Wardens and three Sentinels or something. Mm. But yeah, I sort of suddenly realised it was all gone. Yeah, um, I, that was weird, because I felt like you were in the driver's seat for a lot of that, and then at some point I just looked at the board and thought, ah, he's got no models. Yeah, that, that will limit your your sort of possibility. Like, but I think it could tech- have very easily gone the other way. Yeah. I think, like, if Teclis had sort of miraculously survived that, Mm -hmm. then even though, you know, like, in my battle round three, you've still got the high tide. Yeah. Like, at that point, Teclis can, like, do a heroic. Well, he can't do a heroic heal because he's still being combat, but he can teleport himself out, mystic shield himself, ward himself, drop a nuke somewhere, and, like,. Um, I've had not comebacks because comeback implies that you win but I've had some sort of good late game breakouts at events before where I've kind of got to a point where I've maybe like only got Teclis and Avalon left and then they just charge up the board together and kill like three stone horns between yeah. them um, which is probably Dice getting very in my favor but um, Teclis and like one yeah universe. One unit of wardens is dangerous because he is fast. He can mm. go onto objective, He can teleport that unit of wardens somewhere else, and you can he can win by clever scoring rather than by like yeah. military victory. <laughs> but um, he's surprisingly tanky as well, right? Because he's one of the few models you ever see anymore that can really save stack. Yeah, because because of the ether quartz. Yeah, so I think in one, yeah, hey, in three. one round, I did take his four up and then all-out defense him and spend underneath the quartz for, um, yeah. I can't remember the actual name of the thing that you choose, but effectively, another more different all-out defense. And and then you've got the five-up ward as well. Uh, yes, yeah, it can get really, really good. Uh, so I think it did feel, for a glorious moment, like he might survive the Akeelian King absolutely murdering him. But... <laughs> Alas, made a good um, input. Yeah, I think my takeaway from that game is that that list is fine. I think mm. you know, it felt like it had game there um, for a while, at least. Like, I could definitely play it more tactically. I don't think having like 150 points worth of endless spells was worth it. The problem you never made, like you never cast life swarm, which really surprised right. me. Yeah i I won't say I forgot it. But it's like, I, maybe I forgot it. Because um, is really good on the turn you cast it, right? Because mm. you get the heal twice. Is that right? Yeah. You get yes, it when you place yeah. it, and then you move it, and it happens again. Yeah. Um, it's Reverse Warp Lightning Vortex. It's because as we went into turn three, I was just like, um, no, sorry, because Technos is dead in my turn three. Like, as we went into turn two, I was a bit like, I would rather do like the portal yeah the storm searing white light and the uh ward and at that point you can't cast another endless spell right so um i do think teclas's whole getting the ability to unbind auto unbind in mm-hmm. any time in his hero phase and endless spell is really good i haven't quite realized how much of a jump that is from how everyone else has to interact with endless spells um but i do think it's very good um yeah, the life swarm is good, I think, but it it's kind of a lose lose. Like if you don't take it, you've just got a weird like I think that lists nineteen ninety, so if you don't take the life swarm, you've got like a seventy or eighty point gap, and there's nothing in Lumineth that fits in that gap. Ally, I mean, unit skinks. as it is. <laughs> yeah, ten skinks or a unit of ether <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh- uh, I mean, lumineth are quite bird-themed in some ways, I guess. Yeah, uh, I've got some ether Seagulls painted for my deep game. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, probably I've started looking at lists now for what I actually want to paint, and I think I am mm-hmm. going to go more for a variety list that's more fun to look at than a big block of 30 Sentinels. Um, yeah. But I am committing and at least taking a block of 20, so I can... Yeah. You know at least show that I know what is what I'm supposed to be doing and then go. I'm taking these horses instead. <laughs> a nice, That's wholesome spirit of the wind, everyone loves to see them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm taking a generic one because yeah. I know the generic ones are meta, but I'm only taking one of them. <laughs> no, so there So, you, you can't totally move blocks on the entire army. It's fine. No, exactly. Um, you know, I think I, I don't know what. I will run in terms of Great Nation. I expect probably still Sire, just because I think coding Arrogance is really good, and I think Double ether Quartz is really useful, especially when you're me. There's lots to be said for playing what you're used to as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think Helon is good, but yeah. um, without taking the Wind charges for the Battle Line slot, and taking more Spirits of the Wind, maybe start to run out of that a little bit yeah I mean, I you've been looking uh, at the 30 Sentinels gimmick for Helon right for the double shots on the Unleash Hell but yeah that's, and that's quite gimmicky yeah it's quite hard I think probably then you try and take 40 and split them into two twenties because 30 is almost like too big to actually get that benefit because yeah. um, you want I think it's the double shots are within engagement range I think so, yeah. but it's on a model by model basis oh is it okay right um, so it's good for Unleashed Health still but it's um, yes yeah, uh, like you, you kind of need to be able to wrap around the thing you want to shoot a lot in combat <laughs> mm-hmm. The I think there's a couple of others um, I'm going to get them wrong there's Venari based one Alumnia it might not be Alumnia um, I don't know. yeah, I'm looking at you as so though you'd know <laughs> they're people who used to go to university, right? <laughs> yeah Elf University <laughs> that's uh, the, send is the, the ladder of the Teclementari and now it's happy hour um, the I, I don't think it is alumni but there's one that's I think it might be Iliatha. that's like Venari focused and when you give a command ability to a Venari unit uh, another, another Venari gets unit it. Oh, yeah. gets yeah. it nearby yeah. And I've I
1: just think... looked
0: it up in the app and it is yeah. Nice, okay. Get the then... memory was in there somewhere. Are they the ones who are clones in the lore? That's a really weird bit of lore. Um yeah, I think it might be. They're like weird, <laughs> horrible knowledge clones. <laughs> yeah. And they've generated clones of themselves so they can have intelligent conversation or something. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, uh, high elves, man. Yeah. Yeah, high you elves. wonder why I
2: don't like elves? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're always doing weird shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I am a good enough technical player to, like, arrange that scenario, that situation. Like, mm-hmm. um, and with the changes to Unleash Hell, like, you know, there's this beautiful dream situation of where you <laughs> unleash Hell with one unit of Sentinels and an- another one or a Fox or a Ballista mm-hmm. gets to do it as well. But now that it's got that six-inch range, I, th- I think, like, it's such a weird solution. I think what you end up getting out of that is, like, once across the course of a tournament your unit of sentinels gets charged in the back line and Teclis also gets to fire his single shotgun. Um and probably at that point you've lost. <laughs> <laughs> um again, yeah, you know, this is this is strong low to mid table talk. This is Yeah. <laughs> I think th- the way I mean I don't play Lumineth, obviously, but the the way I'd be looking at it is like you said before mm-hmm. they're a really technical army and you just want to be reducing that mental load as much as possible, right? yeah yeah i do i do enjoy them it's a different challenge too um like the maggotkin i've been enjoying playing with the Mm maggotkin recently um i think they are like a really nicely balanced book yeah Uh, i still i do still like more tribes i think they need a bit of a i think more tribes actually are one that would be a really good candidate for a white dwarf tweak because I still really like that book, but I think it's been outpaced by a lot of things to the point that it sometimes now struggles to hold its place in the mid mid table. Um, and I also have a Nighthorn army, and you know, <laughs> for now, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not technical, but it's also not being played with, so uh, it's an interestingly different challenge. But I do need to reduce the mental load to a point where I can cope with a two day tournament without crying. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Have you considered
1: yeah. sons of bear Mad?
0: <laughs> I, I won't say I haven't considered them, but <laughs> um, yeah, like at, at the point where I was thinking about them, they were like very much the go-to choice. And also, yeah. you had created an army of them, and I yeah. knew you would want to play with them in events that we were doing at that kind of time. So, um, and it's quite—it's a big financial investment of sons of bear they army. Very so, expensive.
1: But I played a game with them I'm not going to talk in any detail about it mm-hmm. because we've been talking for ages but I played a game with them the other week against my friend Steve when he was trying out his new dragon army for the first time and I took Kragnos, two mega gargons and a baby gargant and he nice. had like complicated rules to remember and I was just like I point Kragnos in this direction and he charges and then <laughs> I throw some dice and he fails to do any impact hits and I'm very disappointed in him but it was just a really fun game of Throwing nice. big things around the board, and I enjoyed it nice. very much, which is why I have now bought a Kragmos and a painted one.
0: That's how uh, uh, GW really worked. Did a number on you there. Went from zero <laughs> to 100% Kragmos after one game. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. It it turns out well. that I
1: quite like pointing big monsters at things and going, Can you do 36 impact hits? And one day <laughs> the answer will be yes. In the course of that game, he did two over two charges, and that oh, was quite uh... sad
0: but the principle was there and that was yeah enough.
1: exactly the potential for yeah. an awful lot of bottle wounds is that
0: that's what i like to sometimes sort of slightly ironically call good honest warhammer just pointing <laughs> pointing <laughs> models forwards and letting them smash into yeah. things like none of none of this aura benefit elf shooting nonsense yeah and I think it was... A good I old... No bullshit Iron Jaws army, eh? Nothing weird yeah, going on there. That's <laughs> exactly it. So I, I I said that about Iron Jaws and I had a very angry message from a friend of the show, uh, Luke, who was <laughs> saying, you're talking shit about Iron <laughs> Jaws being a good, honest army. I was charged yeah. by everything in turn one and then they killed it all before I could fight. Yeah, yeah. They really honestly teleport in front of you and then use Mighty Destroyer on three units for one command point. It's... Uh, yeah, yeah. Good, honest war. You love to see it. Yeah. I think Ogres, ogres still fit that just about. It might not yeah. feel that way when someone's crashing five stone horns into you, but I think, in general, like... yeah, yeah. You Feel the call of the terrorist, The Deathly Shriek. I still do. Yeah, I mean in the never-ending rotation of projects I think another death project is probably coming up so um but I still I s- still sort of feeling the lure of the bone reapers so do it I oh, just want to dry brush everything
1: I had <laughs> highlighted all my bone reapers because I'm an idiot what? you absolutely could dry brush them <laughs>
0: Did you why? really? Hang on, we need to drill this why. I'm yeah, just God's really bad
1: eye? at dry brushing. and quite good at edge highlighting, so I did it that way. I mean, that's, that's fair. It yeah. would have been much more sensible to dry brush them than they would probably have looked better.
0: I mean, you dry brush your gargant skin, right? I think, did dry say. brush my gargant skin. Yes. I think it looked really good to so You can't be that bad at dry brushing. Um, but fair enough, I think edge highlighting all bone, all of your bone roopers is crazy. Um Matthew is holding up a slap chops ball boy to <laughs> to indicate the correct method of painting anything from this day forward. Um yeah, that which is I painted the Bone Reapers Underworld's Warband and that is what I did with them. I uh, like grayscale dry brushed them and then contrasted over and and then just did a few a few little highlights and uh I think they look really good and I actually really like the colour scheme I did, so were I right to do some bone reapers? The problem with that is that Mir Kanan is the coolest bone Reaper. Yeah, it's all downhill, really, oh, isn't it? Like a
1: chair is the coolest
2: bone Reaper. Oh, I was literally so good, just about to say No one,
0: no one wants a little idiot sat in a Robo chair once you've got <laughs> Mir Kanan. So yeah. oh. <laughs> Mir Kanan is just the bone Reaper chair, isn't he? Yeah, which is quite really an want- achievement when it's an army <laughs> with Catacrows, in it? I really want the, the Bone Reaper building assistant dogs that they've built for the diorama in Warhammer yes, World. Um, so they're like little six legged skeleton dogs that are pretty much entirely baskets full of bones. <laughs> and they're just wandering around a hall with bone shapers building things. Um, yeah, I would like those to be a, an actual unit, please, DW. <laughs> right. Have we, have we exhausted the Warhammer well for another month? The weather's dry. Well, I suppose next time we're going to be deep in Brotherhood list submission, mm. probably. I'm in hopefully
1: fact... going to a tournament at Warhammer World in three weeks, so I might Ooh. have done that
2: by the time we
1: talk next, Then I can talk I... about how badly I did pointing Pragnos things and charging about them at
0: <laughs> Yes. Similarly, I will have done, I think, one very casual one-dayer that I mentioned organized at a local store, but also mm. uh, another local one-dayer by the time we next record. So, uh, you know, I'm actually getting practice, practice yeah. games this time. So. so we can
1: both talk about how we're completely changing our brotherhood lists after complete disappointment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and how, we, how
0: we now hate Gargants and Luminous.
1: trying to persuade Matthew to let me take my carrot on to one of <laughs>
0: Can't stop anyone taking their overwhelming. You should stop me taking their on. They played a game of the last week as well and it was very fun. It. They were not very good. I can't say the last game I had against Carradine was particularly encouraging for the faction.
1: I mean I think it's partly just they're an army you need to practise quite a lot with, and I mm. have not practiced quite a lot of them, so I'm definitely not getting the most out of them. I'm sure someone who was good with them would do better than me.
0: Yeah. It's quite a change of gameplay from uh, the Gargants, I stand it on is. every objective and then say, can you kill me? Yeah. Oh, you couldn't. <laughs> I have won.
2: Caradon,
1: you spend quite a lot of time thinking, I'm going to blast this thing off the board, and you fire your entire <laughs> army at it, and you discover you have done six wounds or something. Yeah, that was kind of disappointing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Last game I played against them was a, a, a probably quite silly double ironclad list, but uh, you shot one ironclad and its contents each into uh two separate units of Namate and did not kill either.
2: I
1: was playing a Stormcast army and I fired everything I had at Indrasta and killed her with the benefit mm-hmm. of the exciting new Apple ability that gets rid of a world save. And I good. briefly felt good well, I felt good about killing her, but also quite bad because it was my opponent's I think second game of Age of Sigmar ever and the first time he'd won in Duster. And I Aww. had played in Duster and I had a brief moment of feeling bad about it and then realised the entire rest of his army was still fine and about to murder mine which then happened. So.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine KO deal particularly well with the Stormcast. No,
1: once like, you get to the point of three plus saves... The waters on death isn't too big a deal, but it's, just, it's the three plus saves and very little in KO has more than minus one rend. So mm.
0: yeah, a it's double good. moving dragon can actually catch you as well.
1: Yes, so they, my Arcanauts yeah. killed a dragon, which made me extremely happy.
0: <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> cool. So hopefully next time we'll have two grand champions coming back to crow over their many victories, or you know. positive win record we can aim for it we can aim for it positive win record in a one day is only winning two games and (laughs) do feel broadly maybe capable of doing that especially if you tactically lose the second one Mm. and then sort of end up doing a reverse submarine down down a bit to get your honour win (laughs) (laughs) okay
1: They better tactically lose the first
0: one. Mm, Yeah, I don't know. I suppose, yeah, there's not much in it really, actually. But, you know, it feels good to get one in the bag when it's a complete random match-up. Right. Well, on that bombshell, (laughs) we'll be signing off. We still don't have a funny gimmick way to end the show. So I'm just going to say goodbye good luck. Well, Well, I have been... Matthew Ward. You can find me on Instagram. I am at thirty-seven visible skulls, all one words, all spelled out. Just why? Just why?
1: (laughs) Uh, I have been Laura. Uh, You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at scops nine four seven.
0: I have been and remain rich and yeah you can find me on twitter at rich nutter or on instagram at rj nutter uh, and i suppose we should say uh thank you to tiny plastic people for hosting us uh you can visit tinyplasticpeople.com or tweet or instagram at tiny plastic pals uh to find more of their good podcast and article content we've all contributed various things for them in the past uh, you could also, if you'd like to ask us a question, you could email the tiny plastic people at gmail.com and put maybe three and two or something like that, or AOS question in the subject line, just so that we know it's you. we'll try and answer your questions perhaps in a humorous way, or perhaps in a completely flat technical way, if that's what you prefer. <laughs> maybe both. Maybe a bit both. Yeah, we'll keep guessing. Bye. 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 the shit out aren't
2: I? Jesus yeah sorry